language is the tool that connects all of us. We work hard at it. That's not easy. As that is a working microphone. What kind of parts did that bring up for you? Replace your apologies with gratitude. The power of being seen and being heard. Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Please be aware that today's episode may contain some adult language and will most likely include adult content. So please keep that in mind if little ones are nearby. Welcome everybody to today's episode. This is Nikki and I'm so excited to be here today. We have an actual real life virtual guest joining us and her name is Betsy Butterick. She is the coach's coach and a communication specialist with a background in athletics and a talent for people-centric design. She offers an experiential approach toward learning and development and also improves communication effectiveness while strengthening relationships and working collaboratively to create positive change. In addition to team workshops, personal coaching, program elevation. She also has a digital course called Winning with Words, Championship Communication for Coaches that I can't wait to talk about because who does not want to be a champion communicator? To our listeners, I want to let you know that Betsy has given us an open door to geek out about communication today, and I can't wait to do just that. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for pulling up a chair and joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me to have a seat at the conversation. I want to start with talking about the best thing going on in your life right now. I heard you have a baby girl on the way. I do. So my wife, Allie, is almost five months. And so this is our greatest adventure, our newest adventure. And I think I was going to be equally excited that it, whether it was a boy or a girl, I was just thrilled that we were having a baby. And to find out it's a girl feels fitting uh, a little bit in the space. I mean, especially with the recent passing of the legendary notorious RBG, the rise of women during this time and to have the responsibility to raise a woman to not only find her place in the world, but to do her part to better the world feels like a responsibility that I am so excited about. I almost just cried. Me too. I got chills. <laughs> <That was> beautiful. <laughs> Betsy, this is Sarah. That was that was beautiful, and I I know that for you and I on the West Coast, we're we're recording at about six in the morning. And I told you when I called you and said, "Hey, we've got a time slot. It's super early, and it's just going to prepare you for being a mom." So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's why I let my alarm go as late as possible. Like I could have woken up early and gone for a walk outside and been super awake for this call. And I was like, "No, everyone says you need to sleep while you can." So. <laughs> Absolutely. And we are happy that you're here well rested with us today. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Something that you've said that I just love, when we're intentional about our communication, we generate more of the connectivity that we know we need in order to have the chemistry that leads to our greatest success. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what does it mean to be intentional in our communication? Communication is one of those things that everybody does in their own way. And we kind of just go with the flow, which in a lot of areas of life is fantastic. And it's something that we do so often, we, we're sort of numb to how we do it. Sometimes it's brought to our attention if it goes poorly, sometimes if it goes well, like Sarah said, I just teared up there. But rarely do we pay attention to our communication in a way that is on a daily basis in casual conversation. What I love about communication is it's one of those areas and it is a skill, so it can be developed but it's one of those areas that with a little bit of intention, you can see a lot of improvement and you can see so in a very short time span. 
that's really what all the active communication technique videos are about, which we haven't gotten to yet, but we'll bring in in a little bit here, putting a bit of intention around communication, allowing ourselves to like really focus on not just what are we saying, but how are we saying it? Why are we saying it? And language is the tool that connects all of us. If we can't talk about something, if we can't put it into words, whether those words are written or spoken, it ceases to exist in our world. Like think about the stories that are or are not passed on throughout history. They're no longer passed on. They're no longer part of our history. They fade into the past. So language keeps things alive. And yet we we do all this talking without really thinking about the intentionality with which we are communicating. Well, and it, it brought me to a time when I was in Argentina and I didn't speak Spanish and my friend I was traveling with didn't speak Spanish, but you figure out a way to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's pointing, Absolutely. it's Googling something and pointing at it. It's using a translator. But I mean, that's when you have to be really intentional about what you're trying to get across because you have to do it short and easy and sometimes with embarrassing gestures. So I'll give an example. My, my wife, Ali, is a speech language pathologist. She works in an elementary school. Many of the kiddos on her caseload have a diagnosis of autism or are severely impacted by a specific medical diagnosis. And one of my favorite things to do is go and observe her in the classroom doing what she does because there's certain individuals with whom, just as a casual observer, I would say, well, they have no functional communication because I can't interpret what they're saying. They don't have language. She finds multiple ways that they are communicating and has taught me about those nuances. And, and I love that idea. When you said, well, we didn't speak Spanish and nobody around us spoke English. So we had to find and really scale back ways to communicate. What a beautiful thing that we can just take it down, 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 down and find these small connected moments whether it's a facial gesture or like you said, kind of an erratic or embarrassing movement with our body or with our hands. For sure. (laughs) I had a question around that. What I've noticed since we started this podcast, and I definitely know that my co-hosts are aware of this. I don't know if we've made this public, but I'll do it now. I haven't been excited about my voice. I find Mm. that it gets really trapped in my throat and it comes out real squeaky or harsh, right? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And so I've actually hired a speech coach to teach me how to use my voice differently, how to open that up. So one of the things I was wanting to ask you about was how do you work with that in your practice? Great question, Laura. And I actually don't. So I'm fortunate to to have a voice that people have said, oh, you should do a meditation app, definitely. Or I could just listen to you talk. So for me personally, the the vocal quality was never something that I individually felt the need to work on. And so that really hasn't led me down a path where I've done much exploration about what it means to work with a voice coach, so to speak. Take that in a different direction. I've got several friends that work either as professional speakers or in the theater and have absolutely benefited from having a voice coach. That I don't like the sound of my voice is something I hear so often, especially in combination with I hate public speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, not only do I not like speaking in front of other people, but when I hear a recording of my voice, whether it's on the phone or it's on a recorded Zoom call these days, I don't like how it sounds. And that's so often the case in part because of internal judgment, which I'm sure you all are aware of, but also the fact that we're not accustomed to hearing our own voice except through our own ears. And we have so much judgment about how our voice sounds to us, when in reality, it sounds very different to other people. Like if you think about the voice of your mom or your dad or or a loved one, someone that's close to you, you love their voice, even if they hate their voice for very different reasons. And so it's like, yes, that matters that you don't like the sound of your voice. And it's possible that other people really enjoy the sound of your voice. It's interesting you say that because I used to hate my voice. And since we've been doing this podcast, I'm hearing my voice more. And I'm actually (laughs) like, all right, it's, it's not 
it's fine. <laughs> but yeah. I appreciate like, Laura took it in a different direction and wanted to change that. And I appreciate that. That I, I actually have noticed Laura's voice change throughout the episodes as I've listened. And I think it's awesome. And it's so cool that you can, right? I mean, just the fact that this is a, a thing that's changeable that if you don't like it, maybe it's just finding a more connective relationship with it, Sarah, like you just said, like getting used to carrying it, like, oh, I kind of appreciate my voice now. Or if it's like, nope, <laughs> hard pass still, you can do something about it. And I love that. I do too. I think it, you know, kind of goes to back to what you're saying, right? Is it's a skill right. and uh, communication, learning how to communicate more effectively is a skill. But I also think to go a slightly different direction with it is the tone of our voice is also a way that we communicate. Absolutely. And I would argue one of the more important ways that we communicate or clear ways, I'll say that we communicate. There's a favorite activity that I do in the championship communication workshop about tone specifically. And I'm wondering, Sarah, you've seen it. Is there someone you would recommend that I play this game with? We can do this because this is a podcast. We can do this right now if yes. you all are ready to play a little game, but I'm going to need a brave volunteer. I pick Louise. Oh. <laughs> Louise, are you open to playing a game with me? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, Louise, we're going to play a game called O. My first question, it's not a trick question. How many letters are in the word O? Three. Is that the Canadian spelling? Yeah. Okay, if it was just O-H, how many letters would we be talking about? Two. Okay, great. So, and the reason I ask is I want to clarify for our audience, we're talking about a very short word, just two letters. So, Louise, the only word you're going to say in this game is O, but I want you to say it in a tone that matches the word that I say. Okay? You ready? Okay. Yeah. All right. Excitement. Oh. Disappointment. Oh. Surprise. Oh. Slow understanding. Oh. And pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Louise, first of all, round of applause for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so this is, this is the exercise that I'll do, and I'll do it live, and I'll do it with a variety of audiences. And obviously, specifically with that last ask, depending on who you pick, it can go a variety of ways. But it's a very short exercise that clearly articulates how differently our message is received based upon the tone that we ascribe to it. Same word is being said in all five instances, but how we say that word dramatically changes the meaning that comes across for our listeners. So tone is crucially important to making sure that our message is conveyed as intended or that it's the source of a miscommunication. Yeah. And when we talk about communication, we talk about like the words that we use and the stories that we tell. I think oftentimes we forget that. I mean, you can say the most beautiful thing, but mm -hmm. it's how it's received. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that communication has that that other person uh, as part of it or that other group or whatever that is. And your tone, your words, your intentionality, all of that around that, regardless of where you start from in your desire to communicate, it's really about how it's received and how mm -hmm. that person is interpreting what you've said. And that's what makes communication tricky, right? Is that you can have the best of intentions. You can use a tone that matches the words that you say. So everything feels in sync. And still we have to factor in the countless variables that come from having a, a receiver. 
someone that has a lifetime of experience and their own filter on the world, not just what we're saying, but how they take in information. And that's why it becomes so important to be able to do things like check for clarity or to make sure that our message is received as intended. Because oftentimes we just kind of do the verbal equivalent of putting things in the mailbox, right? Like we sealed it, we stamped it, the address is correct, and we send it on its way. And we never check for, did the sender receive it? And when did they get it? And did they open it? And what did they think when they opened it? That kind of thing. Unless it's me, because when I sent a care package, I couldn't like hold back. And I was like, did you get it? Did you open it? What's going on? <laughs> Have you called me? <laughs> so Nikki, you would be the person that sends someone an email and then sends them a text or a Slack message that says, hey, I just sent you an email. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's me. <laughs> So other than, than that technique I just kind of accidentally described, what are ways that we can ensure our message is received at least near the way we intended it to be? Checking for clarity was something as simple as, what did you hear me say? Which depending on who you're talking with, that can sound very blunt or very direct. Oftentimes, and I'll give the example that I give in the workshop. So if we were making a visual about this, let's say we've got your left hand is the sender, your right hand is the receiver. Sender sends a message the receiver hears and responds, sender clarifies, and then the receiver confirms. So that's back forth, back forth. That's a model for clear communication. What often happens is we only do the top two. So sender send a message and the receiver hears and confirms. Think about it in terms of ordering coffee. If I walked into a Starbucks and I said to the barista, can I get a grande Americano with two pumps of vanilla and one Splenda and an ad shot? The barista would say, an ad shot in a grande is going to be four shots of espresso. Is that okay? And I say, yeah, I've got a really long day coming up. I've got this podcast starting at 6 a.m. Four <laughs> shots of espresso is great. And then they're going to read my order back to me. So that model in real life is exactly what we're looking for in terms of clear communication. Simply taking an opportunity to clarify. And if, say, let, let's say I'm the receiver. So someone's talking to me. As the receiver, I have the onus and opportunity really first in terms of conversational turns to say, so if I'm understanding correctly, what you're saying is, or what you're asking is, or what you want is, and then give the, the speaker an opportunity to clarify any miscommunications before we move forward. So if you're receiving, if you're listening, you can do this at any time. If you're speaking and someone doesn't do that, you can take the opportunity and guide the conversation that way, just to make sure that, that you leave a conversation on the same page, especially when it's really important. One of the things I struggle with, and this is something I've been learning, is using silence as a tool Mm -hmm. And also when someone's speaking to me, to be listening to them instead of formulating my response. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips on that? Because I'm still working on that. And I'm sure the people in my life would appreciate it if I kept working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll say first of all, that you're in good company. And second of all, that it's not your fault. So when we think about the average rate of speech, the average person speaks at a rate of about 150 words per minute. The average person has the ability to interpret up to a thousand words per minute. So that's a lot of extra time. That's 850 words per minute that we're not asking our brain to use. So what do we do with that space? We start to think about what we wanna say in response. And you've heard that the biggest barrier to communication is we don't listen to understand, we listen to respond. There's a few activities that I recommend to work on listening because silence is a great tool. If you think about it, what happens in silence? Sarah fills it. <laughs> Okay. Usually, usually, will fill it. She wow. can't be everywhere, though. She can't be everywhere. That, that's just oh. true. That was mean and true. Thank you. 
<laughs> I mean, it was men with love, right I know. There, right? Lots yeah. of love. What's interesting is there was a statistic about the average American in silence. So the average American gets uncomfortable after three seconds of silence. The average introvert needs seven seconds to respond. So if you think about that, like we're rushing and crowding out some really great conversations and ideas with four seconds. If we could wait four seconds longer, which most of us can't, we can't even wait for a web page to load in four seconds. When it comes to listening, one of the things that I recommend, and there's two that I'll give you. The first is, Sarah, if you are working on your listening skills and you find yourself starting to think about, or you notice you're thinking about your response and it's taking away from listening to what the person's saying, especially with people I know well, with whom it's really easy for me to start to fill in the gaps, the question I try to keep in mind is, what can I learn? And that's just on a repeat loop in my head, like, what can I learn? What can I learn? What can I learn? Because it's priming my attention to look for new or different information with someone that I'm very familiar with. So that's one way to help keep your focus on listening instead of on formulating what you're going to say next. The second activity that I love is an improv game, and it's called Last Word. And it's just as it sounds. So even in the context of these conversations, you all can play this either with me or the next guest that you have, where when someone's speaking, you listen for the very last word. And then the, that last word becomes the first word that the next person needs to start with. So if we were all in a line, kind of like I saw at the top of the Zoom screen, whatever the last word the first person says becomes the first word the next person says. And then their last word becomes the first word the next person has to start with. And we go on down the line. Easy to do in linear order more fun, I think, to play in a group where sometimes you're left with a word that's really interesting. So if I'd stop my, my sentence right there, someone else would need to pick up with interesting. Since we're on the topic of communication, I wonder about, and then the game continues. So you can play this as an individual with anybody and you don't even have to tell them that you're playing. It only gets a little weird if they end with a unique word and then that becomes the word that you start with. <laughs> they might start to catch on, but this is a great game to to really train your ability to listen all the way through until the last word somebody says in conversation. I love that as a listening technique. I feel like you've given us a dangerous experiment amongst right. the five of us. <laughs> See, and starting a sentence with us would be really strange, right? You just said the five of us and I'd be like, us is a great group to play with. <laughs> and then we talk about grammar and it's like, no, I'm not a grammar specialist. I'm a specialist. <laughs> and on behalf of all introverts everywhere, Thank you for saying that we just need a little bit more space. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we all do. I mean, in an ideal conversational world, giving us all a little bit more space. And, and I was talking with a colleague the other day who is also a coach. And she told me about a client that she has who is a mother and a CEO and has a chronic pain disease. And she said that we had an hour session, Betsy, and I spoke twice and they were both questions. And at the end of the session, the woman said, oh my gosh, you're such a good coach. <laughs> and we <laughs> joke about this fact that people literally pay us sometimes to hold space to listen to them because we don't give that to each other enough in our day-to-day -day lives. And we don't ask for that space often with each other. How often have you said recently, I wanna tell you something and please, the only thing I ask during this time is you simply listen. Like we, that's not part of our normal vernacular with friends, with family, with colleagues, sometimes, and it's usually in the context of an argument where we don't want the other person to interject or interrupt. We simply want to be heard. And that desire to be heard is universal. Well, that's hard in an argument when you are trying to make your point. Usually it's, there's a lot of tension around, just listen to me. Can't you hear what I'm saying? And it's, it's one of those barriers to communication. As that... is a working microphone. 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> we can hear you, Kim. Now we can. I kept well, trying kind of to jump in and I was like, what's happening? It is interesting in a communications conversation <laughs> to be in a position where you're not being heard. Well, yeah, what kind, of parts, what kind of parts did that bring up for you, Kim? <laughs> Actually none. I, was, I just was sitting here recognizing that it's been a theme that has played itself out several times where technology hasn't allowed me to actually be speaking and has just been receiving the information lately. So it's just very interesting in the context of a communications conversation to once again be in that position. And I thought it was fitting that your voice sounded far away and quieter, which for many introverts, that's exactly how it feels when they're yeah. trying to speak in a group. Yeah, for sure. This group that we have here, our little team of the best parts, we're a mix and we have introverts and extroverts and what's the other one? Omniverts? Ambiverts. <laughs> Ambiverts, yeah. And so one of the things that I feel like we have been very intentional around how we communicate as a team and how that has really helped us with mm -hmm. our connection to each other and to others. So is it is it any different, Betsy, to communicate to a team or within a team versus like individual one-on-one? -on -one? I don't know that it's different. I think it, it's part of, so you've got the one-on-one -on -one communication and then you multiply that by how many individuals are on the team. Or sometimes it feels like a one-on-one -on -one conversation when it's a coach speaking to their team as a whole. It's like my body of student athletes as one group and I'm one coach. What you said about, you know, for us as part of the best parts, working on our communication and that's really helped elevate the way that we operate. That's exactly the work that I get to do with athletic departments and teams, bringing that intentionality, focusing on how we communicate as individuals within a larger group for a bigger purpose. It makes everything easier when we have effective communication. And I'll clarify by saying effective communication doesn't mean that we will forever avoid miscommunication. It means everybody has a certain skill set that allows them to recognize miscommunication, to potentially avoid miscommunication when possible, but more importantly, to rectify miscommunication when it occurs. So when we can do that on an individual basis, instead of let's say miscommunication happens between two individuals on the team and neither of them talk about it and it festers in the background and that relationship deteriorates. And then we get to that moment where we need these individuals to work together. And it's not, it's no longer a place where that's an effective working relationship. And that happens in so many different ways, in nuanced ways. It's always small things. I mean, rarely, like we notice the big moments where, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that, you know, or we were just talking about that argument, like, just listen to me. Like, I need you to hear me. You don't understand what I'm saying. It's the small moments where there's a slight something like tiny little thing that was off in that interaction or in that communication. And we don't clarify or we don't bring it up because they probably didn't mean it like that. And I'm sure I'm just, you know, reading into things here. It's all these small things that accumulate and then all of a sudden we blow up, we make a big issue of something. And it's like, if we were to able to handle them, if we had the skills, let's say, to address them on a daily basis routinely, and we could filter out with expert skill, 
the way that we communicate with others to make sure that everything's working as it should within our control, knowing that there's so many variables outside of our control. That's exactly what you all are doing, the way that you're talking about communication, the fact that you're talking about communication is setting you up to be more successful than a group that that simply communicates without ever talking about how. I think that's a, a large part of why this group is working. I don't know if you know this, Betsy, we started as a Marco Polo family where we just started with the video app and we used to like have like back and forth like for hours a day, right? And I just think as we've gotten to know each other more, we've figured out how to speak into the space. That's what we always say is I just want to put into the space that um, and whatever it is. And I'm really proud of this group of the fact that there's times that we've had a little bit of conflict here and there and we talk about it. And that's why we're still here. That's why we're going to have several seasons of this podcast, in my opinion, because <laughs> we work hard at it. That's not easy. It's not easy. And honestly, you need the conflict. Like if you think about any reality TV show and, and I'm not talking like the Jersey Shore kind of ones, cause those are full drama, but I'm talking <laughs> about like the amazing race was one that I love to watch any reality TV show and really any story in the history of stories, rarely does a bestseller <laughs> come from a book where things start out really well and the protagonist never goes through any kind of adversity and they live happily ever after. Like that's nice, it's cute, but it's not interesting. We need conflict to bring richness to the stories. So every time people are like, oh, I don't like conflict, I don't like confrontation. No, you do. And we're actually addicted to it as a society. It holds our attention and it brings value to our experience. When we can start to see those things through that lens, that changes the way that we, that we show up to have those conversations. When you say, you know, bringing it into the space, like let's bring that into our space with others. That when we have a miscommunication, when we experience a conflict or a confrontation, to think of it as adding richness or texture or intrigue to our story that would otherwise be, yeah, just everyone was wonderful and they lived in this beautiful place and all was good, the end. You well, just described 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right? 2020 is like, so we're going to condense this down and we're going to give you all the shit. Like, and just remember, this is good for you. So sparse it out over the next decade. Um, well, it's interesting too, because as much as we have all worked on our communication with each other, there is still miscommunications. And to, it happened to me yesterday where I realized it was part of my story where I started to knee-jerk respond because I heard like voices from my past that had created this story and I really had to pause and say that's not what what's happening here I know better in here but it can still break down even though we have had hours of conversations about how we communicate where we're coming from who we are it can still happen absolutely and Nikki I appreciate you bringing that up because this is not a perfect practice this is like meditation it's like yoga it, it requires that we show up in the space with an intention to practice and I think that's what uh, last week I was on a call with the NFCA so the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association and it was a panel of speakers and we were talking about listening we were talking about showing up for our student athletes and being able to hold space to have really important conversations and on the promo piece for that session they had said Betsy Butter communication expert and I, I cringe a little bit every time someone says expert instead of specialist because it would be very egotistical to say I Betsy know all things about communication I don't but I'm very open to learning all things about communication and I love learning about communication and having that desire to not to to get to the place where we no longer make mistakes but to continually and forever be a student of 
communication to invest in that kind of education with every conversation that we have. Wow, what a lovely opportunity. Want to know when to take a step back and say, I'm receiving this wrong. I have to change mm-hmm. how I'm thinking or I have to remember who I'm talking to or to have that space, whether it's silence or just like, hang on a second, I'm processing here. Yeah. Well, and can you do that without judgment? So is it no longer I'm receiving this wrong, but I'm receiving this in a way that's not helpful or I'm receiving this in a way that feels like resistance. So can we get away from labeling it as good, bad, right, wrong? and simply be in process with the evolution of our understanding of our own communication. So it's like mindfulness around language. Absolutely, yes. Betsy, you said the word expert made you cringe and you Mm -hmm. prefer for it to be specialist. We love when words don't resonate with people because we get curious. (laughs) Good, I love curiosity. Are there other phrases that make you cringe? And if so, what would you replace them with? Should is one of them. There's that the joke in coaching, don't shit on yourself. And it's very polite not to shit on other people. So anytime we stay should, and for me, should keeps us in a stuck place. Like if there's something you should do, but you haven't done it yet, there's likely a reason that's worth exploring about why you've yet to take action. And if it's something that you really should do, then do it. So should keeps us in a place of, of kind of shame and guilt and judgment. And There's so many different things that we can replace should with. So I want to, I will, I intend to, I'm going to, or the opposite way. Like I thought about it and I've decided against instead of I should. Should is one of them. Just is another. Oftentimes we say just and it's completely unnecessary or it makes less of something that's really important. A phrase such as just be yourself. So well-intended, incredibly hard to do. And we say it all the time in support of people showing up in their authenticity. Anyone who's done some interpersonal work knows that it is really challenging to figure out who am I? How do I want to show up in this space? What qualities am I bringing with me? What is the way that I impact or affect the world in the perception of others? So many small things. I'm sorry, especially from women. Apology in a place where you didn't know that was going to happen or, or it's not something that you could control. So we need to stop apologizing for things outside of our control and substitute anything. Oops. Or thanks for your patience. Like when people are like, oh, sorry, I'm late because of an accident that happened that they didn't control. Thanks for your patience. There was an accident. So replacing apology with gratitude is is a nice switch that I often try to make as I'm learning to apologize less. And when I say apologize less, what I really mean is save my apologies for the moments when I truly am remorseful so that they retain that integrity, that they carry that weight and that's conveyed to the individual instead of apologizing for every little thing all over the place. Those are a few. I just have to say, replace your apologies with gratitude is going on the wall. Yep, Mm -hmm. I just wrote it down. I was like, that is going everywhere. You know, one that I have too, I wanted to share is, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) when someone says, I love you, but. I'm sorry, but like a true apology. I'm sorry, but this, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that's act 29. This is a good time to bring, I said, I'd circle back to this, but on YouTube, there's 33 act videos and act stands for active communication technique. They're so awesome. I'm just interjecting. (laughs) I watched a bunch of them. They're so awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. They're short, which is what really I love about them. Not because it takes me less time to do them, but because they're easily digestible for others. And act 29, Sarah, is exactly that topic of but. So the difference between but versus and. And so often we say but, where if we were to say and, it's much more connective. It 
more accurately conveys the message we're truly going for, yet we're so conditioned to say but, and we don't think about it. And if we thought about it, that small shift in our language would have a, a dramatic impact on the way that we communicate and connect with others. From a yogi, really quick, it's also remembering that you can have things that seem contradictory. Right. Like I like the day and the night or things that you feel are opposite, they still can go together. It's not necessarily opposite or opposing. Right. And we're talking about 2020. We have fully left the space of either or. We are in a both and situation. This is really hard and there's still room for optimism and hope. It's like the things that we don't feel like can exist at the same time, to your point, Nikki, yes. And holds both things as having value, whereas but tends to put the weight on one part of what we've said more than the other. It's fascinating when you think about how easy it is to think black and white. And mm -hmm. when you help a child think about it differently. Mm -hmm. And so much of those old posters that used to say everything I need to know in life I learned in kindergarten. There's so much truth in that. And being able to, to go back to, I don't want to say a simpler time, but a time when we were more open to learning and more open to exploration before we had it figured out about this is how I do this thing called language. If we can return there, whether through our own intentionality or through illustrating a lesson to, to a child, that allows us to grow in this space as well. So I love that. And I think about how lucky your daughter is going to be to have you to guide her in her language. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And she's going to teach me, like, I think that's the, the coolest thing when you ask what's the most exciting thing in my life right now, we're going to bring a baby into the world. Shortly following that, I think the forever exciting thing for me is the way that my daughter will teach us about the world and allow us to see it through her eyes and, and to explore possibilities that we've closed off to, not because we intended to, but because that's how life happens. 100% true. That's exactly what happens. It's so amazing. Yeah. Well, and I love to, I was just thinking that you get to learn a whole baby language, you know, that's this cry, that's this noise, that's, but it's going to be her special way of communicating that you get to learn too. <laughs> right. Well, and it's interesting because, so Allie has done some early intervention work where she would go into the homes of parents, whether they're first time parents or, or not, and work with infants on language and language development. And she recently wrote an email to friends of ours who have a baby boy that was born with a cleft lip. And so he had surgery and it's supposed to happen around six months, but his was delayed because he was still underweight. And so his happened later and it typically, or it often happens in children who are born with a cleft lip that they have a language delay. And so he's about to be two in December and he is delayed in terms of language development and acquisition. So she wrote this email with all these different suggestions about what they can do as parents to help facilitate his language growth and development. And it's like, <laughs> I think of it as like a magician. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know that when you're talking with a baby and you do this, that that's working on language development, or that's working on phonological awareness, or that's working on enabling them to to start to shape their mouth to make sp to make sounds. So watching her interact with him and the ways that like it, it, there's so many subtleties to language, and it just I get super nerdy about it because all these things that we just do, or we think we just do, like oh it's, I've never thought about it. it's just something I do we can get really specific and granular if we take it all the way back to the way that we, we form and use this tool called language. 
That is really interesting because that is actually what I'm learning with my speech coach is she's yes. teaching me to reform my mouth, the way that I hold my mouth when I'm making a particular sound. So I, I can totally see that. That's so cool, Laura. And you talk about finding your voice or you said your voice gets stuck. So even with little kids and my, my twin brother has a, an eight month old right now and just mimicking the sounds that they make which when you mimic the sound they've made with their voice, it encourages them to repeat the sound. And in repeating the sound, they grow in confidence with their voice. They like using their voice. And I remember talking with Ali about that and then translating it to the population that I work with and thinking like, oh my gosh, how many people have not had in years anybody or any space reinforce the fact that, that they have a voice that's valuable? And how right. can we do that for each other? You just made my heart so happy. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so true to, to feel, to not really have a spotlight on you, but to have somebody's attention focused on you and listen to what you're saying as valuable is, it's just heartwarming in the most mm. true sense of that word. Mm-hmm. Well, and we've talked before too, Nikki, right? About the, the power of being seen, right? Mm-hmm. And being heard. So yeah, it's uh, absolutely very, very empowering. So Betsy, you have a course called Winning with Words, Championship Communication for Coaches. What do you want us to know about it? (laughs) It's so it's the first digital course that I created. And the advice I got from anyone who's ever created a digital course is don't try to put everything in your first course. Like it's just, just start small. You can parse it up. You can always make others. And I was like, cool, that sounds super safe and great, solid advice. And then I got into it and I was like, oh, but wait, they need to know this and they need to know this and they need to know this. So it really is this course, Winning With Words Championship Communication for Coaches is a download of best practices for how coaches can improve their communication and better connect with their student athletes. And in doing so, offer the student athletes a higher quality experience while also generating greater success for their team. And I love that that's true because now having had so many people go through the course And it's interesting at the high school level, especially, and the course was made for specifically college and high school coaches, any sport, but college and high school coaches. And so many of the high school coaches are also teachers. So it's often the practice where such and such teacher is also the field hockey coach or the soccer coach. And for them to say so many of the practices and the tools that you offer in this course absolutely translate to the classroom. So when we talk about communication, it's not just communication in sport even though the course is in the context of communication for coaches, but that these communication tools are applicable across a broad range of disciplines. And again, that's what I love about communication. It's not age specific or gender specific or sports specific or job specific. It applies to everyone at all time. And any improvement that we make in terms of our communication allows us to be more effective with the people that we work with and that we support. When I went and looked and I love how there's three different levels. So you didn't, you kind of put a bunch in there, but you'd let everybody access it in a way that they wanted to. And I'm not Mm -hmm. a sports coach, but I really wanted to do it because as a person (laughs) who wants to lead groups, I can see the value and knowing Sarah as a sports coach, seeing all the translatable skills that come from that are Mm -hmm. amazing. The process of creating this course was a long one. And it's something I'm so proud of. And I love that it's out in the world and that people at any time of their choosing can start to work on their communication skills in a way that will impact them positively for the rest of their life. Like just knowing that that space is available for me is so cool. Well, and if our listeners aren't ready for the deep dive, the YouTube ACT videos. videos. 
Yes, <clears throat> those are amazing too, because you don't just give us information, you tell us how to implement it and act from it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like <have action. laughs> so there's are, yeah. there are a couple of ways for people to share your wisdom, which I love. Absolutely. And I would say start with the ACT videos. And also if, if you're someone that wants more of these kind of communication tips or tricks, as I do work, I'm actually working on it right now. I took that podcast I did with the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association and broke it down to the different moments, timestamps, essentially in the hour and a half conversation where there were actionable tools or suggestions that I made related to communication. So putting that out in the blog post so that people have access to little quick hits about communication right in their inbox. So subscribing to the blog would be something I'd recommend for folks that want to take the next step in their communication, but don't want to be overwhelmed. Like there's a lot going on in 2020 right now. So <laughs> like if you just want small little things to, to digest or try as you feel you have the capacity, start with the act videos, subscribe to blog posts, and then just choose your own adventure. So would you share all the places our listeners can find you online. Sure. So BetsyButterick.com. You can link to all of my social media through BetsyButterick.com. You can go to the ACT videos. You can subscribe to the blog. You can contact me directly. My email is Betsy at BetsyButterick.com. You can find me on Twitter at BetsyButterick, or you can find me on Instagram at Betsy underscore the coach's coach. Awesome. I'm going to toss it over to Sarah for the lightning round. The lightning round. All right. All right, Betsy. <laughs> I hope the coffee's ready. <laughs> are you ready for the lightning round? I think so. We'll find out, I guess. All right. We have five questions for you. Okay. First one, what is the best part of 2020? Ooh, the best part of 2020 is the people that have come together through trauma, the way that 2020 has, has been so hard that it's exposed our humanity and asked us to take a step forward collectively. Such a good answer. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start waiting uh, three extra seconds to talk moving forward for Louise. <laughs> it's gonna she feel like seven. 30. I just wanna put that out there. It's gonna feel like 30 yes. to start. Yes. All right, the lightning round. Number two, the best part of living in California. Ooh, it has to be the, oh, I have two answers. One, the diversity. And I moved from living on the East Coast when I was 11. And that was part of my parents' intention is, look, we've lived in Tennessee, we lived in Pennsylvania, nothing against those states, but the world that you see in school was primarily white. They're like, this is not how the world is. So part of the, the draw of California was for us as children to experience greater diversity, a diversity that more accurately represented the world. And for me personally, the weather, I'm a sunshine person. It makes me happy. I love it. I need it. I thrive off of it. So the weather that we have in California and being able, when we talk about diversity, not just in people, but location, like I can surf and snowboard in the same day at the right time of year. And the way that California has so many different environments, whether it's the desert or it's the mountains or it's the redwood or it's the coast. I love that about this state. Awesome. I agree with all of that. All right. The best part of a great conversation. Ooh. Eek. I have to choose one. <laughs> we you can the say best all parts. of them. Yeah. yeah you can all say the parts are the best parts. So you can say all of them. Yeah. I was going to say the best part of a great conversation for me is the moments of connection. And sometimes those are small. Sometimes those feel new. It's like an aha moment. Sometimes it's the kind of the warming in your chest that comes from sharing space with someone and feeling seen or showing up and holding space to see them. That's the best parts of a conversation for me. 
Awesome. All right. Two more. The best part of having a baby on the way. Hmm. The best part of having a baby on the way is like, do you understand how crazy it is that, <laughs> that a human being who has never existed in the world is growing inside of your favorite human being? Like, I'm completely in awe of the fact that Allie's body is making a new person and that we just put food in there and water and, and it does all the things necessary to create a person. Like, that's unbelievable to me. And I stand in complete awe of the best thing of like, yeah, it just, it's amazing. Like human life, what the body does, our body's capability to grow and change and support life just blows me away. I love that. We just put food and water in there. Yeah. Like in a little sunlight, you know, and like it's growing. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of that little baby girl. So as a communication specialist, what would be the best phrase or word for you to hear her say? Oh, I love you. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, if, if that's the only words that we say to each other, especially during this time, I think we stand a shot at being okay. Mic drop right there, guys. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to lead us out now. Betsy, thank you so much for being here with us today. It has been so amazing talking to you. My I pleasure. I mean, appreciate yeah. you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I thank you for, for Sarah, for the initial invitation and for the way that you all have created this space intentionally for each other, but also for others to, to hold space and converse about all sorts of things in a way that, that matters and that's needed. And, and I'm grateful to be able to, to be here today and, and to talk with you about all things communication, but really human things. What a great way to end. <laughs> Thank you for pulling up a chair and joining our conversation. We see you, we love you. And until next time, remember, all the parts are the best parts. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of The Best Parts Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone else you think would enjoy it. After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at The Best Parts Podcast or head over to our website at thebestparts.podbean.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts.